Welcome back to another session of Sports Sesh. I'm Guy Young, and these guys are just guys. Now, I want to just jump right into hot topics. Earliest memory of Dirk, it was probably probably a year he was playing with Steve Nash. I kept hearing somebody named Dirt, like with a T, so I was like, why is there a dude named Dirt in the league? And then I, you know, I found out he was actually pretty good, so. Country kids outside misbehaving. You know how it goes. Absolutely. Uh, it's Mike. It's the hardest working man in show business, Jake Kemp. That was a descriptor for him, not for me. I don't really work hard at all. Uh, There's smarter. a lot going on in here, though, man. Smarter, not harder. I feel harder. like I'm at a uh, Hooli. There's something falling from the wall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. In true Hooli fashion. I love it. It's a beautiful office, though. Yeah, it's not bad, man. It's uh, It's been upgraded a little bit with three Ys and two Ds. Um, we used to have the old cubicles from uh, broadcast.com, and at some point they were like, nope, <laughs> got to upgrade this. So we got a bunch of uh, Veridesk equipment rolled in here, and uh, it looks like we're doing more important work, and we can draw on screens and uh, doors that are see-through, which is one of my favorite things. Whenever you're having a meeting, oh, yeah. just being able to draw on a clear surface. But, uh, yeah, it's the day before Dallas Mavericks season begins, Wednesday, October 23rd, at the AAC versus the Washington Wizards. As I mentioned, he's Jake. I'm Mike. This is the four-pointer. And I apologize that we haven't had a chance to do an episode prior to this exact moment right here, but uh, been in Tulsa, Detroit, Vancouver, one of those isn't quite like the other ones. Uh, Chicago before that. So been traveling a bit uh, over the last couple of weeks with the team. So uh, finally getting a chance to sit down. And uh, if you're listening on the audio version, we are on YouTube. Hello. So not only did, was this a, uh, a fun audio experience for you, but now it just looks like a, a zaddy party <laughs> here in the office. <laughs> so uh, send this to your friends. So... A little I'm wear a costume next time. <laughs> you should. Uh, what are we about? Twenty-seven hours and ten minutes away from tip-off of the Mavericks 2019-20 season, um, and we're gonna give you what you want, which is a whole hour of NBA China talk, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I heard someone say this the other day. I thought it was so funny and so accurate. Which was just like the uh, league, thank you. The league needed to get it slightly behind them before TNT's NBA studio show got on because <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah. by the first commercial break it's so know, right the producer's is, just pulling his hair yeah, out it's yeah. so right because uh, that show is one of the most spectacular things on earth to watch I can't tell you it's anything more than just Charles seeing things and saying things yeah, yeah. that are right in front of him or that he's seen on Twitter in the last five minutes when they so. start making fun of you know the rodeo trip in San Antonio yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, a little touchy. <laughs> yeah, a little touchy there. But uh, yeah, so what we're gonna do today? Uh, we're gonna go through some of the big questions. Hopefully, you know, we're not gonna spend uh, an hour and forty-five minutes getting you up to speed. If you're a good Mavs fan, you know where we are right now. You've seen the videos, you've watched preseason, and you got a feel for everything. But stuff that's important to us um, before the season starts, maybe get a couple predictions out of the way. Uh, the bigger questions is what I want to hit on, and then things I want to accomplish this season so that we can look back later. Um, like we never, ever, ever do, and go, did we get that done? Did I move the goalpost on myself? Am I living in an imaginary world now? Did I gaslight my own, uh, my own opinions by game 40? Um, because that happens a lot, because it's like a weekly temperature thing. That's why I think it's so important to do these, these podcasts and these, uh, these little check-ins uh, as frequently as we do. But super excited to have my man Jake here to, uh, to be going back on the podcast, uh, The Four Pointer. Thank you if you've listened for a long time. If you haven't listened for a long time, welcome to the show. Um, we have some other great products that are out there. Um, the Ceiling is the Roof with me and Bobby is just okay. Um, and then Numbers on the Boards with Skin and Bobby is a fantastic product I would advise you to listen to. We're also bringing on board formerly Forgotten Mavs podcast. It is now going to be called Mavs Archive with Mike Frailer. Uh, just to tease a little bit, we got an episode with uh, the great Alex English. Um, it's basically Frailer will find, uh, however he does, um, now it's a little bit easier because he's in the fold, but he'll find a, uh, a former Maverick or um, someone that retired as a Maverick. Doesn't mean they had to go anywhere else, but uh, and interview them about their time here. And some of them are super interesting. Some of your favorite players, some of your fan favorite Mavs uh, are in there, and we'll have his entire catalog and then all the new episodes that he's putting together will be under the Mavs umbrella. So that's the exciting stuff we're working on. And then your regular, hey, it's the start of the season. We're trying to knock your socks off with some content. So that's what we do. All right, let's get into it. Mm -hmm. um, I was kind of staggered a little bit yesterday looking into Lucas' second half numbers from last year. And it's not even second half. It's like after the trades. trades. February yeah. 1st, right? Um, we get Chris Tapps, Porzingis. Everybody freaks out. There's a uh, the future holds nothing but, uh, you know, rays of sunshine and, and, and promise and potential. And then we look around and it's Luca and because well, Barnes was a couple of days later. Right. 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 Barnes was uh, maybe a week after that. That was yeah. the um, what game was that? That was a super awkward game. Home game. Yeah. Uh, when he was still on the sideline. Yeah. When he was still over there and he didn't play like after five minutes left in the third and everybody knew what was happening. Um so Barnes gets shipped out a little bit after that. Wesley Matthews, a couple days after that, I think, is the timing. Of, no, this was in the Nick, Nick, Nick's trade, right? Yeah. Yeah, he got traded again. That's what it was. Yeah, but if you're talking about, yeah, the Pacers trade. But mm -hmm. if you're talking about Luka's uh, touches and efficiency and all that, which is where we're headed, Barnes right. being gone might not have had as much to do with any of those other three guys, with DS, DSJ, Wes, or DeAndre, but it did have a lot to do with it because – when Barnes was going to – when he was on the floor, he was still going to take a pretty solid number of shots. Right. And he wasn't exactly passing the ball back to Luca a ton either. So mm -hmm. once that was done, which I think it's really tough to look at. It's almost like a football game where there were two turnovers in like the first half, whether it's the <laughs> right. Cowboys-Jets or Cowboys-Eagles or yeah. first quarter. It's like impossible to get a full season read on any of the Mavericks numbers because, mm -hmm. as I said to – Donovan this morning, Donovan Lewis. Like it was like they were in the like in a, on the operating table all year. Yeah. So you really couldn't ever gauge what they could do physically if you're a person who's constantly in surgery. Mm -hmm. So like 
none of their full season numbers mean anything to me. Right. Like you really do have to segment it out. Like you look at their offensive or defensive efficiency for year long, and I'm like, those two numbers tell you less about this team than those two numbers about any other team in the league last year, I would bet. Right. Yeah, and some of the we'll get to some of the other ones that carry over from year to year that are kind of interesting whenever you start putting new faces to them, like, you know, three-point attempts and pace. Yeah, your three-point rate for sure. Yeah, and pace and things like that. But considering – I don't know. It was kind of exactly what I expected because we sat there the day after the trade and we asked Rick, okay, does this give you – it might have been Brad Townsend, but I thought somebody brought up a really good question in a post game, and it was, does this give you a nice little um, test subject? where you can put every single thing imaginable on Luca's shoulders for this final, whatever it was, 40, 35 games, and see if he can handle it and see if he can be James Harden. Does he turn into James Harden or does he turn into, you know, a less efficient version of James Harden, which is there's 50 of those guys in the league and they don't get max contracts and they're just kind of like fine, right? Um, and his touches were skyrocketed to number one. Out of all NBA players, yeah, uh, in that frame, that time frame, but his numbers took a pretty drastic dip. His shooting overall, um, um, all of his counting stats, besides you know the totals, the points and the assists, and because he's playing more minutes, it's just he shot poorly. Um, he wasn't very efficient. Turnovers, of course, went up. Do we read anything into that? Um, him being the guy and the efficiency going down. Because I know the thing we kind of tried to trick ourselves mentally on and the gymnastics we did whenever Dennis was here. And Dennis's rookie season wasn't very efficient, right? But the counting stats were fun, and we're going, well, they're there. It'll come along. Um, I guess it's a long way of asking, does the second half dip in efficiency worry you at all? Uh, I don't think it worries me, but I do think there's something to learn from it. I mean, the weird thing about it is that James Harden became the, that version of James Harden in like his eighth year in the league. Mm -hmm. So to take a dude in his first year in America at age 19 and then to, you know, expedite him to having the most touches in the league at, past a certain point with four of the players he's used to playing with the most gone – that's wild, man. And, like, I really think that it says a lot about what they think he can handle, not just on the floor but mentally. Right. So we all already expected him to hit a, a rookie wall. But in a sense, we we don't even totally know what sort of rookie wall that he hit because any almost anybody would hit a wall with that sort of load on their shoulders for half the year. So I, it definitely started to look like he was breaking down physically a little bit and maybe wasn't totally ready – for that grind, but I mean, I don't know that there's more than 10 players in the league that are in their prime that are. So it doesn't necessarily concern me that like he can't be the dude, but I, did, I don't think you want to play that way. You know, even if he was capable of doing it, I just don't think, I do think there's a decent chance that five years from now that he is a, I don't know about elite, but really good three-point shooter. But if you don't have that trick in your bag, having the ball all the time is it's going to create problems. And so uh, I don't think that's how they want to play. I don't think that's how a Rick Carlisle coach team would ever want to play. Like, even if he's micromanaging it, I think you would want him – he would probably want to micromanage a, uh, an offense where there can be a lot more going on than what they ended up having to go with towards the end of the year. So I wouldn't say it worries me, but I would say it informs what I think about the best-case offense with Luka in charge of it is going forward. And I, I would say that – 
I don't think there's ever going to be a time in his career. Like, Harden is one of one. Like, really, there's no one else that's been able to run an offense like that in recent memory that does it well. I mean, it was kind of what everybody got tired of the NBA being like in the late 90s because they were doing the same thing. It was just super inefficient. Right. It's like if – I mean, he's basically like if Allen Houston were efficient, right? Yeah. Where he's isolation – he's going to lead the league in isolation, but he's also going to hit a ton of open shots. Or if they called fouls the same way they do now. That's the other big part about it, right? So, uh, doesn't worry me at all. Does make me very leery of ever having to go back to a time where he is – He's probably always going to be top 10, but I don't think you want to be one. Yeah. I, I think it's a good lesson to learn because, one, I mean, you go through a season, there's so many games, and you forget exactly what happens on a day-to-day. But <clears throat> I know during the final month of the season, just talking to people next door and keeping my ears open, it was, he needs the season to end. Yeah. It is, it is grinding. Like, it is... It is a lot. Just think it, of that. You're losing more than you've ever lost. You're yeah. physically, you're being asked to do more. Mentally, you're being asked to do more in your first year. Yeah. Like, it's almost kind of unfair. But, I mean, it's not unfair because they knew he could handle it. But, you know, there's a lot of dudes that could have been broken by that. Yeah. <laughs> it, took, it took a toll on him. And to me, you can either go, man, just get me out of here so I can turn the page. Or you can go, which I assume he did because he's a lot smarter than everyone gives him credit for and a lot you know, thought more thoughtful than he lets the media see. I guarantee you he got a month removed from the season and went, the schedule's not going to change. Yeah, You know what? I'm playing 82 plus of these every year. Okay, instead of me, you know, slipping and sliding through the last two weeks of the season and just it looks like my legs weigh a 1,000 pounds, I'm going to try and gear up for that. I'm going to try and be ready for that. I'm either going to pace myself during the season if it's something I just physically can't, can't handle or I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to, I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to cut down here. And I know everybody does the – everybody wants to see the, the Instagram post where he looks shredded like Ronaldo or something. Um, that's just not realistic. Like, there, there are different ways to be in different kinds of shape. Like, if, if you don't see the, you know, the Dwight Powell, like, guns popping photo from him, then you're like, oh, he's not doing all he can. It's just not that simple. It's, it's such a dumb, like – um, internet thing to be like, uh, he's, he's overweight or something. Because I guarantee you right now he is in better condition than he was going into last season, hands down. Like, looks I, know, like I, know, I know that for a fact. He looks uh, like it even if it's not like, uh, you know, he's not going to be in the body issue. But <laughs> right. still, there's different types, as you said, there's different types of ways. to And plus, also, it's pretty hard to look like people want him to when you're mm-hmm. 20 yeah oh for <laughs> like sure. he's not a really a, like he doesn't have like a man's body yeah. yet that's that's the thing that like intrigues me is when dude gets a little bit of like uh man muscle on him yeah he's gonna be a bully yeah because <laughs> right now he's just like kind of a he's kind of a trickster kind which, of which i think that's when you could start to see him once or twice a game as a screener yeah and for i mean sure. i get why they don't do it now oh yeah it I mean, sucks because I think it. There's definitely something there that could be unguardable, mm-hmm. but I also get why they don't do it. Yeah, or haven't yet. Yeah. All right. Let's uh let's dive into some of the. Uh, well, if you don't if you don't know all the off season moves, I'm not going to catch you up to speed. Um, but uh, anyone got, listening to this definitely already knows. Yeah, I would hope so. Um, we had a lot of dudes. <laughs> I mean, just a lot, a lot of, of dudes. dudes who are not short too. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, Stealing DeLon Wright from the Memphis Grizzlies. He was an RFA. 
Um, if you aren't aware that happened, that definitely happened for a, a second-round pick, maybe two. I can't remember the exact terms of that deal. But, uh, you know, they had an option to retain DeLon. We liked DeLon so much that we offered some kind of compensation to add him for, I think it was uh, three years at 10 a year, um, to be presumably a starting point guard, right? And maybe I haven't seen it yet. Maybe it's something that doesn't stick out in the numbers quite perfectly. And I don't. I think that's going to be the great balancing act with DeLon and the perception of DeLon is DeLon can have nine points, six rebounds, five assists in a game and play his perfect role. Sure. And people aren't going to be able to understand that because you look at the point guards across the league and you see the Steph Currys, you see, you know, Harden's probably considered a point guard, Russell Westbrook, those type of dudes. Um, DeLon doesn't feel like um, he has a perfect fit right now, except for that I think he is a perfect fit. I think he's a low-maintenance guy. I think he can defend, uh, you know, top half of the league offensive or defensive defender of, of wings and guards. So his, his fit is kind of peculiar at this point because Luka does dominate the ball on the offensive end so much. Um, but what's your perception of DeLon Wright and your expectations for him and him fitting into this, this group um, coming off of a preseason that I wasn't super impressed by, at least the shooting numbers-wise. I think offensively, the most important player on the team to help Luca is KP, and I think defensively it's DeLon Wright. And I don't, I, I don't expect him to shoot north of 30% from three on, on you know, consistently. Uh, I do expect him to play you know, if he's healthy, I think he's going to – Like, he's 27. He should play in every game. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think he's somebody that they have to worry about necessarily. But you bring up Steph Curry and people are like, oh, he's dead, you know, looking at other point guards. You Don't forget, Steph Curry wanted no part of Fred Van Vliet in the finals. Yeah, that's true. So there are times when some of those dudes who do the more important offensive tasks around the league, and that's – offense is more important than defense flat out, um, whatever, no matter what coaches say. Mm-hmm. But – Still, there are very few point guards who are very good at both, uh, you know, in the league right now. And at least right now, Luka's not going to guard the other team's point guard most of the time. Uh, so I think there is a, there's definitely a role for DeLon Wright. And I think it's to and, – and honestly, I think that his, the way he helps Luka defensively will help Luka offensively as well because there's just – they really haven't had – like who's the – who is the true – guard that Luca was paired with last year like go through it okay yep. so it was DSJ and it was Brunson and like both those guys have their own roles and I think Brunson's an underrated at least for now underrated defender but DeLon Wright is a far better option to defend the other team's uh you know quickest guard right now than Brunson mm-hmm. is even if Brunson may be on balance a better player so I think there's definitely I, – I, I don't think that it's much of a role fit. Now, I think it's more of a rotation question. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do after the first six minutes of each half are gone? And I don't know, you know, because I think this team will – they basically have two guys that you know are going to play super heavy minutes. Right. And then 13 others that yeah. I could see at any given game playing anywhere from 8 to 25. Yeah. So, to me, uh, I would slot right pretty high on that uh, – on that – scale but I mean there's also times when maybe that's a role for for Jackson or Finney Smith not necessarily guard but guarding the other team's most uh, explosive player but 
I'm not worried about DeLon Wright getting minutes, to be honest with you, man. The only other guy I would put on that Luka and KP tier of your minutes are probably guaranteed on a night tonight is Dwight Powell. <clears throat> I think Dwight's going to get 22 minutes a night no matter what's happening. Um, that's just – whether it's with the bench or with the starters, it doesn't matter. He's earned that. Yeah. I mean, he's so potent offensively, um, and you can find a place for him to fit almost any game, anywhere you're playing. Um, but back to DeLon – the thing that intrigues me most about him, and it's hard to get a read on this during preseason, um, whenever games aren't really counting and whenever people aren't necessarily playing their full complement of players and, you know, et cetera, is you go into game one, right? So we're playing the Wizards uh, tomorrow night. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> that is a rough way to have to start your season man. <laughs> just looking at their starting five i'm like yeah that's not that, uh, i feel for you that's not living right feel for you um but you see bradley beal right who rick is rick has thrown the that dude's gonna be in the mvp conversation at him there's no question to me who's guarding bradley beal for the majority of that game right it's it's six five delon Wright, right who's got super long arms his wingspan is very deceiving uh compared to his body size and he looks kind of slight even when you stand next to him but He's a really stinking good defender. Go get Bradley Beal. Yeah. Uh, Friday night, who we got? We got Pelicans. Yeah. Um, go get Lonzo Ball. Yeah, now, whenever there's teams like in a normal situation, like if Wall were healthy, those are the type of teams that can cause you a team like the right. Mavericks problems because yeah. of – but there's just not that many teams that have two of those guys. Elite wings, yeah. Right, two, yeah. two guys who can both handle, that are fast, that can get to the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, but – you know, I don't know what you make of preseason sample sizes, but DeLon writes to, you know, when he was on the floor in the preseason, he wasn't hitting shots, but the other team also wasn't scoring. Right. So, yeah. you know, he's kind of just done what I thought he would do through at least the, the five games he played. Yeah. And and I think last year and even a couple of years before, whenever we'd go into those situations, we would go, it was the correct answer, but it wasn't like a good answer of, okay, we're going against Portland on Sunday night, who's checking dame and everybody'd be like well i guess wes yeah and god bless wesley matthews for all he gave this franchise but man after the achilles like he was not the defender that you his name held with him you know certainly not over a full game yeah it was more just like in spots right and so delon i don't think there's any you know uh real controversy in saying he's better defender than wesley matthews was uh his final two years here um so that that excites me a little bit um, somebody that has a little bit of teeth to him uh, that can defend wings up and down, basically one through three in the lineup, um, and gives you a little bit more flexibility for, you know, what do you do with Justin Jackson at the three? What do you do with whoever's going to roll out there at the three or whoever's playing alongside him? Um, you can kind of mix and match defensively a little bit better. Um, same kind of question for um, – so there are two bench guys that are either, for one reason or the other, veteran guys that deserve minutes because they are – basically folk heroes and could run for mayor um, and could be a Mavericks head coach down the road and J.J. Barea or a guy that's getting paid a uh, lot of money um, and people quote his contract before they quote his name and Tim Hardaway Jr., um, who I think is making $20 million this year with his trade kicker on top. Guys, two guys that deserve minutes. I don't know if they're going to deserve the minute total they get through when at the end of the season whenever you look at the list and you go man he played more minutes than Brunson you know that type of stuff but uh what do we do with Timmy and JJB what's your perfect fit for those two guys let's start with the easier one I think the easier one is Berea just because 
Um, it's just not reasonable to expect him to be available, even if his if if rehab is is has worked out well and he's able to practice normally. They're still going to be cautious with him to the tune of like best case scenario, sixty five games, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you that if that's best case, I think if you put it at like fifty to fifty five, that would probably make more sense. Um, so on the on the nights that he is healthy. That's when it gets a little bit trickier. But I still – I would even say that, you know, even if he's only playing 12 to 15 minutes a game, I think he can help you. The hardest part of the Berea situation is does he cost – because he's not costing – I don't think he would cost Brunson minutes. I think it becomes more does Brunson get more of a role off the ball whenever Berea is in the game, and now we're costing potentially Seth Curry minutes, which that, you know, I think would be unfortunate – given how bereft this team is for shooting and given how freaking lava Seth Curry has been for the last three years when he's played, you know, three, four years when he's played. So that one I think is a little bit easier. And because Berea just, he has the history here to where one, he's not a big money guy uh, salary wise, but two, like, and I don't know Tim Hardaway Jr. And I haven't been around him, but I mean, it just, everybody knows Berea has value even when he's not playing whether it's in practice, whether it's on the bench, whether it's as a locker room guy. So that one I think is a little bit easier. The Tim Hardaway Jr. one is a little more complicated, obviously because of the salary, um, because he doesn't, you know, he also, much like Berea would be possibly taking away from Curry and they need Curry shooting, Hardaway Jr. could potentially be taking away from Finney Smith or Justin Jackson and they're going to need their defense. Um, Hardaway shot it well in the preseason. I don't know what you make, again, of small preseason sample sizes. I mean, I make nothing, and we'll get to it, of Porzingis missing shots, and I'm more into the type of shots they're getting for him. But Hardaway Jr. hit shots in the in the preseason, and I, I don't know, man. I just – I think it just hasn't been consistent enough to earn minutes on a team where they're, like, trying to make the playoffs now. You know, this team, I think, could potentially be better – than just about anything the Knicks rolled out during that stretch that, you know, Porzingis and Hardaway Jr. were both there. Now, they were always hurt. Like, those two guys barely played together, and when they did, they were like a 500 team. Um, but it, the, the Hardaway Jr. one seems a lot trickier to me than Berea, and I guess we're going to find out what this team thinks about how much this salary and stature in the league factor into playing time. Yeah, and I think the good thing that has happened is – um, there wasn't a starting promise like there was with Dennis, like there was with Wes, right? Yeah, right. From sure. day one, you're a starter. Because right. that's when guys' feelings start getting a little ruffled, right? right. Um, with Tim, I think he's coming off the bench. I don't think anybody's going to be shocked by that. I think he's microwave guy off the bench. I think the last game of the preseason, the Vancouver game, what you saw out of that, of Tim coming in and just, man, he played hard. He played like he was pissed off. He played like he didn't have a minute on the court to waste. I'm getting these shots up, and if they keep falling, I'm going to keep creating my own shot. I'm going to cut to the basket. Um, just be that little extra sprinkle of offense that can uh, – if he's if his shot's fallen and he's got the fourth best defender on the court against him, he can get buckets. And whatever you were doing in your 30 minutes or your 25 minutes – Let's do that in 20. Let's do that in 15 some nights if it doesn't call for it. Um, 
And I don't think anybody's going to be, you know, you don't get upset when a guy's playing more minutes than you necessarily. You know what I mean? That doesn't shake locker rooms. Uh, when dudes start over you, that's whenever you start getting a little upset, right? Yeah, and I think I think maybe the other thing is if you have signed up for uh, multiple years with a team um, like Seth Curry has, I think that it works two ways. One, it might make you more frustrated if you don't get up opportunities over someone else that you think you can perform better than, but I think also the team has communicated to you that it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And what, Seth's a three or maybe four-year four. deal? Yeah, so I, I – I would be surprised if four years thirty two if, if Hardaway Jr. ends up with more minutes than Curry this year. I think that would be a I don't want to say problem because it sounds like I'm being super negative, but I think that means something has gone wrong. Yep. Uh in in Seth and a guy that if you're signing a guy to four years, then you got you're, big plans. You expect him to be part of a team that like maybe contending mm-hmm. four years from now yeah like i mean you're talking about luca being 24 and porzingis being 28 if they're not in the conversation for the top two to four teams in the conference and i would say that means something has gone wrong and they expect seth to be part of that i don't really know if they feel that way about hardaway jr because what it's this year and next yeah and i mean player option for next year yeah so yeah i think it's, that might sort itself out too yeah it just gets tricky because because they're both microwaves. Well, is yeah, I it feels like they feel redundant, right? They do. And Tim, well, I mean, Seth has probably done it at a way more efficient clip. Tim has been the best player on some non-playoff teams in the East. Um, but whenever you describe the role, you could describe, you could lay out this role, right? And it, I could say Tim fits in that, Seth fits in that, JJ fits in that. Brunson can fit in that at sometimes. Yeah. Um, Brunson hasn't knocked down the three at quite the clip or quite shot it as many. Um, and JJ the same as those other two guys, but they're kind of the same archetype. Yeah. Um, so how to use those guys is very interesting to me. Um, and then some of it might sort itself out. I mean, on back-to-backs, I wouldn't assume JJ's playing. Right. Um, on third game in four nights, I wouldn't assume JJ's playing. Um, it's not quite the Dirk treatment from last year, but it's not far off. Um, so it might sort itself out um, in the end in terms of minutes and how guys get used. But uh, – all right, let's move on in terms of getting as much stuff covered as we can. Um, what do you think – do you think the pace changes from what we've seen over the last couple of years of basically walk the ball up type pace? Because I think their two best players, uh, KP and Luka, aren't exactly uh, out on the break type dudes. I think Luka needs to – if I could add one thing to his game that I think is attainable over an offseason, that would be like – Man, what if you just pushed the ball all the time? Right. <laughs> what if we just bought into not walking the ball up? Um, I mean, even if it, even if that doesn't come first, the other thing would be since he can rebound, if he's able with guys like Jackson or Finney Smith or you know, I mean, I, I I just going back and watching a ton of Curry from last year with the Blazers. I mean, he hit a lot of transition threes, but you're also mm-hmm. talking about Damon McCollum, right? And uh, you know, even their bench guards were faster than than what he might be playing with here. I still think he'll get as good or better shots, just maybe not on the break. I think the opportunity. So I guess what I'm saying there to, to finish that real quick is that even if Luca's not running, if he's getting a board and immediately looking for cross, mm-hmm. you know, mid court passes, Delon can push it too. That's I think that's the best thing he does offensively, um, but the thing with Porzingis that I think is an opportunity is just if if he's being 
if he's if he is playing at the rim, there's going to be a lot of times where he's being guarded by the other team's slowest player. Right. And with his length, you know, he's already kind of they're kind of already naturally setting up a cross match mm-hmm. by playing him at the four, but Offensively he's at four. the rim. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think there's opportunities there, both for both Porzingis and Powell, or heck, even Kleba. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, look, they were what? If you go to 15 16, uh, they were 30th in percentage of plays out of transition, then 30th, <laughs> then 29th, then 28th. Yeah. And it isn't like one of these deals where they had a super low frequency and a really high points per possession. They were near 30th every one of yeah. those years in those as well. Um, yeah, they weren't getting a, a ton of, you know, uh, ton of point uh, possessions off of steals that ended up in transition. Yeah. That's the biggest thing to me is I'm like, okay, this might not be entirely what makes up a team's DNA offensively in terms of pace. Some guys are just, you know, some guys will be Russell Westbrook and they're one man fast right. break. But I look at a team's pace and I immediately look at, okay, what kind of turnovers do you force? And that just hasn't been us. Um, and I don't know if it will be this year. I don't know if you know, uh, Jamal Mosley is putting in a defensive scheme that'll be more of cutting off passing lanes and, you know, creating uh, looks the other way. But um, it hasn't been for a while, and that's affected their pace. And then you don't get easy buckets, and then you're shooting a crap ton of threes with a team that isn't necessarily that strong at shooting the three ball. And it just kind of like – it almost felt like you were spotting the other team like half a point a game just by playing stylistically like you were. Also, you know, it should be mentioned, I think this is fair play, that even though the trail three is lethal, you did have Dirk out there a lot. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be running a ton yep. um, with, with Dirk on the floor. So when your whole team is, is under 30, basically, yeah. uh, you would think that they would could inch up to like 20 to 22. But the other part of that is um, – you know, I mean, there is a certain level of Rick wanting a decent amount of control over the offense. I mean, I read Tim Cato with uh, Seth Curry just a couple weeks ago, and him comparing Rick to Terry Stotts I thought was really interesting. And just the level of control, you know, and detail that they uh, have over the offense. And I, it's worked out very well. Mm-hmm. You know, their half-court offense has been basically unstoppable, regardless of who was on the floor. But I think some of the give back of that is that you're not, you know, playing wild ass in the open floor. Yeah. Um, Maxie's going to start tomorrow night. Right. Which is adds an interesting – that's just an interesting unit. And they've started a different unit every preseason game, basically, since the Final Four at least, um, whenever Luka and KP started uh, getting uh, regular minutes and in the starting lineup. But Maxie's been one of those five – because Dwight is dealing with his hamstring. Um, and Rick ruled him out for Wednesday, Friday, but didn't rule him out for Sunday, the home game against the uh, the Trailblazers. When Dwight's back and Dwight's back to full Dwight strength, is he your starter over, over Maxi? I think the natural fit with KP is better for, for Pal. Um, but I also think the natural fit for Brunson – as a, if you, for the two-man game there is also probably Pal. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, which one of those do you think uh, Maxi can level up to closer? Like, is the difference between Pal and KP and Maxi and KP greater or lesser than the difference between Brunson and Pal or Brunson and Maxi? Mm-hmm. And so 
I think you go Pal first. Um, just because I, I like the idea of him being able to move around a little bit around the paint in the perimeter while KP's parked. And I, I don't – it's really weird how fast this has changed to where I think, you know, 10 years ago you and I were probably, like, imploring people to play more four out. And now it's almost like you're an old man if you think that you don't need to be five out. <laughs> and I think there's still a, a place for if, – dude, if you have someone that can rim run like Pal can – yeah. I don't care if they can shoot yeah. at all. And I know Maxie's a pretty effective rim runner as well, uh, and I think that will be useful for the second unit. But I just, as an aside also, with all the extensions that were signed this week, and I, I like, like some of them a lot more than others, and I know that it's a different caliber player, Pal and Maxie's deals are going to look really, really oh, nice yeah. if this thing can continue on an upward trajectory over the next couple of years because those dudes are going to be really important. They're still in their prime, and they're getting – you know, I'm, it's a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money for what those guys bring to the table. Yeah, it's not starter. It's not average starter money. It's really not. It's below for both, mm -hmm. you know, and, and one of them is, is going – they're both going to be playing a lot of minutes, and one of them is going to be starting a lot. So I've heard opinions on it both ways. Like I think I heard Skin say maybe on numbers on the board that, that he likes Maxi's uh, versatility there. I, I just like the fit of, of Porzingis and Powell, and we really mm -hmm. haven't – you know, not we really haven't. We haven't seen it at all. Yeah. I think once you have – the pick, the two man game, whether it's pick and pop or sometimes you know rolling for KP with Luca, added in with Pal's ability to go to go just to dive, dude. I think that's unstoppable. Yeah, we just I don't know that there are three players who fit. There's not many three player combinations that fit together better than those three. Yeah. That it, you know, because I would definitely put Luca and KP on the top five of two players that fit together the most. That's not to say they're the best two, you know, but Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are great two man tandem because they're both having great players. Mm -hmm. It's not, but they're also kind of redundant, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. That's going to be great for them at times. But as far as two players who were just made together, yin and yang, I'm not sure that you could come up with two better than KP and Luca. And then you add Powell, who's not redundant with either one of them in any way. Right. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. I, th I think it's got to be Dwight. Um, and the thing that keeps coming to my mind about – we'll get to, like, biggest concern question um, in a little bit, but I'll go ahead and give you a little little tease of that. Biggest concern to me is, like, it's really difficult for this team to get, like, a straight line drive into the paint. Like, none of the dudes necessarily uh, create their own attack – um, naturally besides Luca, who usually uses it to get you off balance and shoot um, instead of taking it right at the rack. Um, and Dwight Powell, he doesn't do it necessarily off the dribble, but he's cutting through your defense repeatedly. Oh, yeah. And turning the thing over. Um, and as much as I like Maxi and the player he's become and my belief in his three-point shot and people being afraid of that pretty soon um, – I think Dwight Powell is just a different animal. Um, the pick and roll game, the options, his willingness, and just that little bit of burst that he has that Maxie doesn't have, a little bit of speed, and that willingness and that just persistent intelligence during a possession. Like, talking to him will blow your mind. If you talk to Dwight about just pick and roll and theory and how things work, and one of the things I remember him telling me is, like, a possession, he's like, you'd be shocked if you looked at, um, our charts and looked at possessions after two or three screens. 
He's like, what the numbers look like. Yeah. And he's a guy that knows that and a guy that'll do that. He'll screen, right. he'll rescreen, he'll reset, he'll screen away. Um, and then he's, he's kind of the engine. He's the kind of, he's the, the duck's legs, right? Under the water that are making everything move, creating the space, creating the open shots. Um, and he's just a badass offensive player. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's the most effective rim runner in the game. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no way around it. And while I liked watching Maxi with KP and Luca in the preseason, um, there were moments where I was like, Dwight Powell is at the rim housing your center right now. Yeah. If Dwight's in there. And it's um, I'm, I'm, just because I'm a, I'm a huge fan, I'm, I'm worried that he's not playing. Yeah. You know, I know that it's probably not something to be worried about, but I'm ready to see it. I'm ready to see what the three of them look like together. And, you know, I was super excited about Seth Curry a couple years ago, and then he had a nagging injury that turned into something that cost him a whole year. So, right. um, fortunately, they do have Maxi. And if they had to play Boban a little bit more in that bench role, you know, that's an upgrade, no disrespect, but over Salah. But their shot at having a borderline or legit top 10 offense involves KP, Luka, and Powell playing together as much as possible. Yeah, that three-man unit's probably got some crazy numbers. Yeah. Um, the only thing I do worry about is... Rebounding. The rebounding, yeah. right? And the, and the, and the defense, um, which can definitely tie to rebounding. Um, but if you start getting, if you start losing the rebounding battle repeatedly, what kind of weird, <laughs> janky lineups get right. thrown up there with Dorian at the four, you know, just to fix a rebounding issue? And I don't, I think KP's rebounding issues are greatly over exaggerated. Um, watching that dude in the preseason, he gobbles up everything. He's 7'3, yeah. he can jump and he's strong as hell now. Like he's getting the boards. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Oh, teams only start big yeah you know so there's going to be plenty of opportunities where he's out there and the other team doesn't even have a real center mm -hmm. and when he's not a real center but he's by far and away the biggest dude on the floor I think that'll be a huge opportunity for them to sort of level up their rebounding totals a little bit I mean but I would expect their starting unit to get beat on the glass pretty consistently yeah um all right let's move along um Cat's kind of out of the bag on how good Josh Reeves is, um, which I'm glad. The dude deserves some credit. Um, and I was really impressed in summer league. I've been really impressed in preseason the minutes he's played. But do any of the, the unexpected guys, the guys that, you know, probably might get a handful of DNPs or might only be able to be allowed to be on the team for 45 days or, you know, uh, and that list includes to me Reeves, Roby, uh, Antonius Cleveland, Courtney Lee, Brokoff. Do any of those dudes contribute in big ways this season in your mind? I mean, I keep waiting for Brokoff just because they, because they are so deficient in shooting. But I mean, it, that, it, it almost seems like it would be happening by now if it were going to. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, Courtney Lee is most interesting to me, honestly, as just uh, what does his future look like? Not only here, just, you know, he's been good in spots in his career. Um, but are there minutes here for him to do what he does? I'm not really sure. So the thing is, is that in a weird way, uh, the last few years, they've really done a good job of finding and keeping their own mm -hmm. such that whenever you show me a list like this in the last four years, I was really excited and optimistic about each guy. And now I'm kind of like, not really. Mm. I don't know that they, you know, they kind of found those guys, you know, yeah. 
because a couple years ago, well, Dorian Maxi Kleber and Dwight guys. Powell and Dorian Finney-Smith were yeah. on this list, yeah. you know? And you, Seth, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and those guys found those roles and locked them down. Yeah, and Brunson was that guy last year. Right. right. I mean, just think about it. We just listed several second-round and undrafted players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they've all slotted into roles where – and maybe that, you know, in years past, they've been asked to do more than ever than what they're capable and comfortable doing. But I think that the clear, clearly the addition of KP and the progression of Luka puts those guys a little bit closer mm-hmm. uh, to what they actually should be doing. But – Right. You know, you got high hopes for Roby just because we're we don't know that much about him yet. Right. Yeah, he's he's the skill set is there. Right. Like the dude's a really stinking good shooter. Like watching him in practice for a dude that is six nine, six ten and play I mean, he played a lot of Dwight Powell offense in, in college. Like he's a rim roller. Um and he can create a little bit off the dribble, but watching him shoot in practice I was pretty surprised. Um Watching him play in preseason, I'm like, he's still feeling his way out, right? He's probably a year away from being regular minutes guy, which is there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think the guy you're going to walk out of game, you know, whatever it is, game 100 this season, looking towards next season going, that guy earned himself a role and that guy deserves minutes is definitely Josh Reeves. I mean, he's a maniac. He really is. And so and he's on a two-way? Two-way. So he can play 40, he can spend 45 days up here, I believe. Um so whenever that starts happening, we do have to make a roster move, I believe, um, if it gets above 45 days. Um, so that'll be a little bit of, you know, gymnastics to be had. But uh, I think Reeves is already, right now at this moment, if any of these dudes you're looking at, like, what NBA skill do they have? Like, Brokoff shooting the three, I think. Cleveland creating his own shot. Courtney Lee is Courtney Lee. He's a veteran. He's solid across the board. Reeves' defense is NBA-caliber defense. And his energy... And the stuff he brings is NBA caliber. We've got size yeah. for a guard. Yeah, I like Reeves a lot. Um, I think he's going to get you some minutes uh, down the stretch. And next season, you're going to be you're going to feel good about him going into the season. Um, all right, a couple other notes. Um, you mentioned Porzingis' shooting. Um, wasn't that great in the first couple preseason games, but just <laughs> wrapping my mind around how long it's been since he played basketball. And he even admitted it, um, I think, in – it must have been in Detroit. No, it was in Tulsa. I think he got that shot blocked uh, against Nerlens, and he goes, man, I'm just reacting a tick slow. He's like, I just should have quick dunked it, um, but I saw my first big dunk since I've been back, and I kind of got bug-eyed <laughs> and, you know, went slow. And um, so his rhythm isn't quite there, which is something that's encouraging to me because he still looks like a freaking monster mm-hmm. when he's not in full speed and not reacting as quick as he might like. Justin Jackson, I think, is your is your starter at three. Um, that cat's kind of out of the bag now as well, but um, the muscle he's put on has allowed him to defend a couple different positions. He's always been a great three-point shooter and top five floater in the game. Like, that dude does not They busted miss. one out the other night when you had that stretch of eight straight or whatever the other, uh, the other yeah. night. And yeah, I mean, dude, he looks decisive, <laughs> like, which is kind of what – there were times – you know, and you keep getting traveling calls too. That he, that's yeah. He had like three in the Vancouver game. I was like, stop doing that, stop doing that, stop doing that. But in years past, though, like I just thought he looked a little bit hesitant, yeah, and a little bit unsure of himself, and kind of you know he's never gonna like blow you away with burst, but mm-hmm. 
just feeling a little more comfortable and being a little bit more decisive is goes a long way for him. Yeah. So I I've been hoping he could lock that down for a while now. Yeah. And I mean, it's a perfect test case for context because the NBA has decided that players that stick around in college longer, <laughs> like taking a car off the lot, are worth less. Right. Every bit of information that you gather more and more about them. But I don't know that that really makes sense. And I know that he had a rough combine after year two and went back for year three, and that that's why he ended up falling. But, I mean, dude, wasn't he the ACC player of the year one yeah. year? Like, in the ACC. And so I, I know Kings fans were frustrated with him, but I think he's exactly what their starting lineup needs. And I think he allows Dorian to fill a, a needed wing role on the bench. And I'm I'm pretty certain that he Justin Jackson will not relinquish that starting role mm. all year. And yeah. I think and I, and I think it's not unreasonable at all to think that he has a you know a thirty six percent three point percentage at the end of the year. It takes some dudes just a little bit longer, a little bit longer than you're comfortable with, right? Especially with a dude who did so much work to his body. Um, and honestly, being here, now that he's been here for um, not quite a calendar year, I think him being around Jalen is super helpful for him. Because those dudes have known each other forever from college basketball, played a championship game against each other. They're right next to each other at all times. Um, I think him seeing the success that Jalen had early He's like, oh, the league hasn't forgot about us dudes that get our degree. Like, we can still... Yeah, that's a good point. We can still contribute. Like, we're... I can still be awesome. Um, and he's so mellow. That's the thing where I'm like... Yeah. Man, I need to, like, throw some jolt energy drink in you before the game or just at certain times. But he's so cool. He's so level-headed. He's so mellow that I'm like, man, just, just get a little bit angry. Get a little bit wild going. Um, because... He's going to he's have to bring that if he's defending the three position <laughs> this season. And I think he's strong enough to do it now. I just need him to get a little tenacity to him. He's uh, a good cutter yeah. whenever he decides to do it. And, yeah, I, mean, I did a deal on him, uh, you know, this offseason too. And the numbers that he's put up on, like, catch-and-shoot threes, both here and in Sacramento, when you compare them to Finney Smith and Hardaway Jr., it's just not even close. Yeah. It's just – it's not even close. And I think, you know, maybe this is what you say about a guy whenever they're not super athletic and they're pretty low-key, but he does seem to possess a pretty solid, you know, basketball IQ. Mm -hmm. He knows where to be, when he's supposed to be there, and I don't think there's any reason why. I mean, he ended the year starting last year and put up, like, what, the nice, like, little 13-4 and four type line. Mm -hmm. I think that's entirely doable. Yeah, and the coolest thing – or my favorite thing about his game is – once he puts the ball down and he starts going at the basket, like you know he's either getting rid of it quick, it's hot, or he's going to the floater and that floater is going in because yeah. he created a mismatch like immediately on first dribble. Um, all right, so one of the things that has me pretty, you know, on the positive side about this season and just playing better basketball in general um, next door at the AAC is I think we have the aptitude to be an above-average defensive team. And that's because of DeLon. That's because of KP, <laughs> one of the freakiest athletes in the league. Um, and being able to throw your Dorians at people. Um, Justin, If Justin Jackson isn't the quite the right fit out of the starting lineup, you can, you can sick Dorian on him. You can sick 
Maxi Kleber on the next big. You got Boban in there. It just seems like the defensive talent is substantially richer than it was or it has been in a little in a little bit of time. Um, so that has me pretty excited. Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of it, like we talked about, is length. We've been seeing the Mavericks basically concede defense with three-guard lineups and just try to outscore people, which has worked pretty well for quite some time now. Um, but f- to me, uh, if you had to ask me which one of the two units has a better chance to rank in the top 15, uh, like in you know O rating or D rating, I'm going to put my contact bit back <laughs> on the fly. It's incredible. Yeah, while we're doing this right here uh, yeah. on YouTube. Uh, I think if you, if I had to bet, if I had to bet, <laughs> yeah, hold the microphone next to your mouth too, or I'll hold the microphone. You can put the contact in. I would say defense <laughs> at like thirteen and offense at like sixteen, and I think that the offense, as far as the starting unit goes, is going to blitz people like we talked about. But I just, I'm less certain about what the bench can do shooting wise and. That probably comes back somewhat to Seth Curry's health, but uh, I think people are forgetting how good um, how good Porzingis can be at the rim, man. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's something we just haven't had in a long time. So, um, but I think both of their units will be around middle of the league. And the other thing is that that doesn't, you know, they're they're going to play. They're playing in the West, so well, let's say that on balance, that ends up meaning that they're like you know, the 12th best team in the league, uh, that might not be good enough to make the playoffs. Yeah. All right, we've got about five minutes left, so let's get to as many things as we can. Um, some of the goals that I kind of write down during preseason, um, and they're not all, you know, statistical or necessarily measurable, but they're things that I could definitely get to the end of the season and go, yup, that happened. Um, the main goal for me this year is just the Luka and KP chemistry um, and how those dudes work together and – how explosive um, and dynamic and fun that that two-man unit can be um, and showing the rest of the league that this is one of the best duos that exist out there. Yeah, I think, and just to go back to what I was just saying just before, I, just to be clear because I was trying to put in my contact, <laughs> I think the thing that they're – I worry about their defense more when KP misses. And, I, you know, you could say this about a lot of different teams – as far as health, but how many dudes in the league are going to be so heavily relied upon really over the last several years that have missed that much time? And so to me, I think, you know, defensively when KP is gone, I think they're going to miss that tremendously. Um, I think the example I can think of is like Kawhi last year who did the load management thing. He missed, what, the entire previous season basically? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, but they kind of knew that. Yeah. Like, whereas the Mavericks are going into this saying, we expect you to play like 68 games. So let me let me put it this way. If if he ends up playing, uh, you know, 72 games, then I think that they can be a 12 to 14 defense. If he ends up playing 60 games, I think that that's what puts them closer to like 16 mm-hmm. to 17 mm-hmm. or 18. I yep. just think that he is such a huge part of their defense, and I think that it's reasonable to think that that number of games that he plays is closer to 60 than it is to 75. Yeah, I don't know. But I know I'm terrified every single time that he does something, that like this, you mm-hmm. know, the putback he had the other day uh, when he came down awkward, which didn't look all that different from the play against Milwaukee a couple years ago that ended his, his season and career in New York. 
He, it freaks me out. Um, that being said, you know, they will end up, Luca and KP, with a, for heavy minutes, guys, let me say like seventh best two-man net rating or offensive rating. I'll just stop there. Mm. Like in the league. I really believe that. Yeah. I mean, I think you undersold it earlier whenever you were like top 10 fit between a player and a big or, uh, you know, what I'm talking, you know what I'm saying, two two man groups that you can throw out there. Like, I don't know if the talent level is quite there yet to some of the superstar tandems that exist in LeBron James and Anthony Davis and, you know, the L.A. group, the the Portland group, the, you know, throw you guys out there. I think in terms of game fit, right, skill sets, whenever you start, whenever you put down the little spider web diagram like you do in the NFL drafts and the little you see how extreme someone's skill set is, I can't think of a better fit. I don't think there's a better fit in the league to play next to Luka. I just don't. There, there really might not be, and especially if you add in age mm-hmm. and, you know, trajectory where they are on sort of the curve of their careers yeah um there's not it's tough to come up with anything better and you know and it's so weird because it's the polar opposite of how we started last season oh yeah when our entire conversation was about fit and redundancy mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean i don't think there's any reason to think that you know a couple years from now they're not only the best fit but like possibly one of I would watch out for JJJ and John Morant because I think that could be a really nice yeah, fit that's too. A good, that's a good. Um, but they haven't shown anything yet, right? Right. Like we've at least seen mm-hmm. that both these guys individually uh, can can be like t- top of their position type players. So I think sometimes when you look at team efficiency ratings, it's a, you know it can be misleading. Mm-hmm. I think the offense is going to just absolutely kill people on the if, from a starting standpoint. I think the bench unit has a chance to be really good defensively with Maxi. I think Brunson's an underrated defender, mm-hmm. whether it's Finney Smith or uh, or Justin Jackson or sometimes both, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's Boban playing. I think that the bench is going to be super solid defensively and will struggle to find shooting. I think the starters are going to be dynamite offensively and at times may struggle defensively, but – uh, that again, I think will all come down to Porzingis. I'll in, I'll leave you with this, since this is one of our athletic over unders today. Who do you think leads the team in scoring between those two? Luca. See, I went Porzingis because really? I just think his the looks he's gonna get and has already gotten in preseason. Yeah. You fact you multiply that by the fact that he scored twenty three points a game in New York with out a real mm-hmm. offense or point guard like i yeah. can see him averaging like 27 points a game this year that'd be nice i don't I, that's a little high for me i just i watched luca in the preseason and just watching those moments those consecutive possessions where he can just spaz out where he's like yeah you know what i'm gonna do step back three and then i'm gonna do step back three the other side and then i'll run pick and roll and and do a teardrop like his ability to spaz out when they're down by five in like the fourth quarter and just score in chunks and chunks and chunks. Yeah, that's something Porzingis can't do on his own. Yeah, he can't. You know, he can't bring the ball up and create his own right. shot necessarily. Um, but I, I think if he does that, then if he's above twenty-five points this season, I think his efficiency. He shoots like forty percent from three. Luca. Um, uh, no, 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 KP. Yeah, no, it would definitely take that. But he's done that 
close yeah. to that once before, right? Yeah. Or maybe yeah. he did. I think he was right at 40, 39 or 40. Yeah, he was 30, yeah, 30, 4, yeah, 38 or 39, or something. I think, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, he, the last year he played, he was the second best catch-and-shoot player in basketball. Yeah. So I don't think that's crazy, um, but just Luca feels like a more, like, finger-on-the-trigger kind of offensive player than, than KP, and I think he's going to get more shot attempts. Um, I don't I don't think he's going to do it as efficiently as KP does it, but I think he's going to get more looks. Um, the free throws, too. I mean, I think he's going to get eight free throws a game, <laughs> maybe more, ten. Por- Porzingis is going to get fouled a lot, too, man. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's just nothing some of those – some of the guard – some of the defenders that he draws can do against yeah. him. And he averaged – I think he put up – you know, he had six or so in New York. Yeah. I just think Luke is going to literally shoot three free throws every quarter. I mean, if – And he seems to be hitting them. Yeah, and he's he's making, you know, what, 75% this, this preseason, which isn't great, but it's better than it was last preseason. <laughs> and that would have been better than last season. Um yeah, and some of the other minor goals. The, the other minor goal for me that I had in mind was, okay, you need to figure out the third starter. Um, if you think it's Justin Jackson moving forward in the next season, that's fine. If you think this Dwight Powell, Luca, KP little triangle um, is so dynamic that Dwight is a starter now, that's fine too. Um, but you got to have three in there that are no doubters because then everything's so much easier to build around. And the only reason I wouldn't didn't say DeLon necessarily is because – I think Jalen's going to be hot on his heels, maybe playing the exact same number of minutes at some point in the season. Oh, um, I fully expect that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think their minutes totals will be within two minutes, two and a half, three minutes of each other. It's more just about if you don't believe that Berea uh, can give you what he used to give you because Berea's game was predicated on quickness way more than Wes Matthews was, and we mm-hmm. saw what that did to Wes Matthews. We're all hoping for, for Berea to be able to, you know, have a couple huge moments this year that turn games or literally win games. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, I think Brunson might be sorely – I mean, what what would happen if you decided you you wanted to play Brunson with your starting unit because he was uh, an out-and-out better player Mm -hmm. and Berea can't really go? Yeah. All of a sudden, that bench unit looks anemic offensively. I'm not going to roll with DeLon Wright. Mm-hmm. Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleba, and even Seth. I mean, at that point, you might have to start looking at putting yeah. Seth at the yeah. point, yeah. which I don't think is the best way to utilize him either. Mm-hmm. I think his ability to run around the floor, get open, pull and pop, yeah, that's where he's best. And I think Brunson can can get him those shots way more than I would trust Alon Wright to do it. So that's, almost, wh- that's why I, I'm hesitant to, to, to move Brunson up. It's almost an analogy to uh, – what they used to do whenever they were really good, which is, you know, you have your Deshaun Stevenson starter, you have right. your Adrian Griffin starter, your your dog that just chases people around the court defensively, and then, you know, whenever it's time to score buckets, Jason Terry comes in. Right. And, you know, I'm not going to compare Jalen Brunson to one of the best shooter that's, shooters that's ever lived quite yet, but Jalen's really, really freaking good, man. Yeah, and I hope that there's ways. I'm really interested, and I know we got to go, but I guess this is a good way to close it out. Is I'm really interested in how they decide to close mm-hmm. uh, on nights when everyone is healthy, which again might only end up being you know two thirds of the season. But I think you've got to find ways in stretches to get Brunson, Luca, and Curry on the floor together. Yeah, and I 
don't know that you could get away with not playing another wing there. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know, is it? Can you play those three guys, uh, Dorian, Powell, and, yeah. Dorian, and 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 Porzingis? Or can mm-hmm. you play those three guys, Justin Jackson and Porzingis, uh, in small stretches? I think you probably could because if you have Brunson and, and Luca on the floor together with with Curry, someone's going to be open. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was the lineup the last? preseason game i think it was jalen delon luca kp maxi yeah that thing was fire yeah it was awesome it was super fun to watch and that's even without adding curry shooting yeah that's that's you know sliding yeah putting a lot in there instead but uh yeah can't wait for the season to start can't wait to see how they close the important games starts tomorrow night, 7.30 p.m. against the Washington Wizards right next door at the American Airlines Center. This is episode number whatever it is, the four-pointer, I don't know. Episode number one for this season. That's we'll be what with matters. You on a, uh, as, as weekly as we can. If I'm uh, <laughs> on the road somewhere, then it might make it a little bit difficult. But uh, we're going to do our best to bring you the best Mavericks coverage throughout the season. Uh, thank you for watching and or listening. If you're listening on... Uh, on iTunes or the audio audio version, whatever your 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 path to us is, we are on YouTube as well. If you want to see our pretty faces as we're saying these words, so thank you for checking us out, Jake. Thank you for your time. For sure, go Mavs.